Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name is Luke Hatfield. I am joined by a man who had to delay this podcast recording because he needed to get his food shop done, Mr Joe Massey. What on earth are you talking about? That's not true. You told me you had to go to the shop. Oh, today you mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, right, I thought you meant as in because we haven't done a Baggies broadcast for ages. Oh, I'm no, delayed. I wouldn't accuse you of that. Of oh, that. Right, How long's his shop? <laughs> two weeks, isn't it? You go to Asda for two weeks, do you? <laughs> I'm a bargain hunter, mate. I go around the mall searching for the best possible price. You're one of those people that goes to like the, the Morrison's discount desk, aren't you? I'm really not. I just go to the nearest place and buy it for more than I share. I'm just a bit lazy, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's lovely to hear your voice again. I've missed you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast. Oh, your time off again, isn't it? But um, oh. it is what it is. The listeners are used to it. I mean, that's a claim. Uh, the reason the reason there wasn't a podcast last week, just to clarify, it was a busy week. It was, it was busy a really week, busy man. week. So Monday, I will admit, which is our usual recording day, I was off. But again. but there was a game on Tuesday, and for me, doing a podcast on a Monday when there's a game on a Tuesday makes very little sense. Agreed. And then. There was Stoke on Friday, so if you do it Wednesday or Thursday, you've, you've only got two days. Also, we were at press conferences. The, the Tuesday-Friday thing is, is really hampers us, doesn't it? Because we're does. either at the game or at the press conference, basically. I, um, do think, I do think that the press conference video, which we do now on a weekly basis, does kind of cover for us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I prefer the poddy, though. Oh, yeah, Poddy's sure. where you get the real detail, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I think we're a little bit more liberal with our thoughts and, and on the podcast. But good to be back, mate. Good to be back. It is. Um, how how have you been? How have you been? <laughs> All right, we're carrying on this banter section, are we? Yeah, um, yeah, just, I just wanted to see how you were. I'm fine, mate. I'm absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. How are you? All good. I'm okay. I've been caught up in in, in Squid Game on Netflix. Have you seen it? Right, so this is why you wanted to do this. Sec- this, this is why you asked how I was then. This is no. why people listen to the podcast. They like a little bit, a little bit of this before we talk about Albion because everyone's mood gets down for some reason when we talk about Albion this season. No, no it doesn't. Um, well, for some people, it does. Squid Game. No, I don't know what it is, mate. Sorry. Oh, mate, you gotta watch it. What is I mean, it? it's 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 certainly for 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 adults. So if you if you're under the age of of eighteen, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Um, but it's brutal, mate. It's about. It's basically. Did you ever watch Battle Royale? Oh yeah, I watched Battle Royale and Hunger Games. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but I mean, it's it's crazy. They Have play you seen like it all before then. If you've seen Battle Royale and Hunger Games. Oh no no no! So like they play like schoolyard games and like they trick all these people into like signing up, and then they don't tell them that if they lose they die, and then they like playing like schoolyard games. And then, oh, it's just brutal. But I mean, it's, it's it makes amazing watching. Okay. Do you do you mind subtitles? No. Or bad not. dubbing. No, I can live with it. I can live with <laughs> subtitles. Because <laughs> it's South Korean. It's South Korean, um, and the dubbing's not the best in the world. So uh, it, it does give you a chuckle now and then as well. Watch it though, mate. Watch it. Watch All right, it. I might get round to it. I right. implore the listeners to do so as well. Um, not that this is sponsoring this program by any means. <laughs> Um, shall, shall we talk about Albion? Please, please. You're really desperate, aren't you? Yeah. You okay. can set up your little TV podcast, food and TV podcast in your own time. People would listen, mate, I'm telling you. Mm, would they? I'm not so sure. Oh, I don't know. One of the one of the. Why don't we try tweets. it and see? Why don't we try it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, do a, 
we'll do a sideshow podcast over the summer where uh, during pre or before pre season when nothing's happening, we just do two episodes of just random chit chat. You're just wanting to say that I won't be part of that. Why not? Because I just don't think it was a very good idea, man. Oh, come on, we come as a pair. We're like Anton Deck, Bert and Ernie. I always say Rant and Deck before we do our videos because I always want to be on the same side, don't I? Yeah, they you, have sides. You're not, don't you're they? not happy. You're not a happy boy if you're not on the right side. I'm not happy if I'm not on the right side. You're right. Uh, come on. Let's talk Albion. Right, three yeah. games of, of of gone, two wins, one defeat. The unbeaten run ended at Stoke. Um, in terms of performances, though, I thought QPR was a great result. Um, picked up late on in that game. Cardiff was obviously superb. But what happened at Stoke, Joe? Yeah, that's fair. So we're going to go through the three games, are we? We're doing a three-game round. I've just got to merge them. Let's merge them then. Um, so I didn't think QPR was great for seventy minutes, if I'm honest. Mm, I agree. Uh, um, but it was they're a good side QPR. To be fair to them, they're a really good side. Um, and yeah, they just have been sort of. I mean, look, let's be honest. They got lucky in a way because Carlin Grant's goal, the goalkeeper should save it ninety-nine times out of hundred. Really, shouldn't they? Um, was a bit of a debate whether it was an own goal. It definitely wasn't an own goal. But, yeah, anyway, Carlin Grant's goal, flukes one in, if we're being honest, but it completely transformed Albion and him, didn't it? Mm. So, from that point on, they were very, very good against QPR. The only team that was going to win that game um, against a very good QPR side. And then they just completely took all that momentum into the Cardiff game, where, we keep saying it, was it their best performance of the season? For me, it's still Sheffield United at home. Mm. I thought they were brilliant that night in sort of plan A version of Ismail mode. Um, Cardiff was plan 1.2 of Ismail mode, plan A.2. Um, but possession, more possession-based, a bit more patient, more composure, and they absolutely blew them away. Albion were brilliant. Cardiff were dreadful, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, it was a mixture of the two why the scoreline was so emphatic Albion were great let's not let's not hide away from that they, Albion were brilliant um, they played really really well but Cardiff were absolutely atrocious yeah. um, but arguably Albion's best performance of the season certainly their best performance in terms of keeping the ball playing with composure passing it how, look, let's be honest how a lot of people like their football to be played um, it was certainly their best performance in terms of that style Um I think I think Stoke was a game too far for them to be honest. I think and and they sort of hinted at that after the game. You know, I, it's, I don't think. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's very often you hear a manager or a player say they're tired. Mm. Um, but both Ishmael and Livermore said after the game that they they think perhaps they were tired. I think they put so much into Cardiff and they performed so well, and that there was such a like. A lot of emotion in that game in terms of how they come off sort of euphoric and how pleased they were with how they played. I think it drained them a little bit. Um, and the turnarounds that Friday night was just a little bit too quick. Look, Stoke played on the Tuesday night as well. Not in terms of... Look, there's no there's no real excuse in that sense. But you just wonder whether sort of emotionally, mentally, whether that Cardiff game took a bit more out of Albion. Mm-hmm. Because they did look, they did look tired and... and Albion, uh, Ishmael said you could see their tiredness in their decision making um, and this is really really interesting really because we know he's absolutely steadfast in this belief that 3-4-3 is the way to play he will not change his formation I mean, me and you were sat there at that game and we were both saying we're just getting outnumbered completely in the middle of the park we just need an yeah. extra man in midfield like, 
why won't he change it to 3-5-2? Um, because you could just see time and time again, Stoke were playing through us. And, and, and to me, it just, it just seemed very sensible to take off one of the forward players, put someone like Malumbi in midfield and give, and give him that extra... Um, give him that extra man in there and give him something different to think about. But Ishmael won't have that. He says the reason why Stoke were able to get through, in his in his opinion, is because Albion kept making poor decisions. That they, they were getting their position wrong, they were giving the ball away cheaply. And he said that was because of tiredness. Mm. Um, so, look, Stoke... For, Stoke I mean, Ishmael said it on the night that the best team Albion have played this season. That that it, it was definitely the best performance of an opposition team um, against Albion this season. Personally, I think Bournemouth looked really, really good, mm. um, but Stoke were excellent on the night. Um, I can't. Nick Powell is top is a top player, isn't he? Yeah, in the championship, yeah. the lad they Re- got really good finish as well. Really good finish. The lad they've got from from Norwich. I never pronounce his name right. Francic. Francic. He's a, he's a class act. Um, and look, it, if if a score was Albion nil, Stoke three, um, it could have been absolutely no complaints. The one thing for me, what what does frustrate me a bit about that game, and we're being hypercritical early here. Really, we've got to, we should caveat this by saying, obviously, the Cardiff game was the tenth game unbeaten for Albion this season. Mm. record breakers they became record breakers Valerian Ishmael's only been at the club five minutes and he's already created history um, by having the best ever start to a season so that's the platform we're starting from an immensely high platform but the thing with the Stoke game that sort of frustrated me was me and you were saying let's go for, why does it, could, it, could we go 3-5-2 just to stem the tide a little bit and when Stoke missed that penalty saved by Sam Johnston now it's in the 71st minute. And at that point, you sort of got the feeling that um, Albion Stoke just might not score. They might, it yeah, might, they just might, be, they might fluke their way to a result. They might, it might just be one of those days where they just cannot put the ball in the back of the net. But that was such a monumental let-off. I mean, they'd already hit the post in the first half. Sam Johnson had already made a great save to deny Sam Surridge. He then saved a penalty from Surridge. And you're like, Albion... I mean, I, the, they're the goal disallowed, Darno Furlong's own goal, in my mind, not, not a foul. And, and you're thinking, it's 71 minutes played, it's a miracle we're not behind. Just shut it down now. Mm. If we leave here with a point, um, it's an absolutely great result, if we're being honest. Um, and, and that's the I mean, it, I'd have gone 3 5 2 even earlier, but. It, that was the point, really, when I'm surprised he didn't go three five two, um, and just try to just shut it down and escape with a point. But he has got immense belief in the system, immense belief. He believes this. The only reason why Stoke stalled was because of poor decision making. And look, who are we to question him? Really, the first mm. ten games of the season unbeaten. You look at his record in the champion as a championship manager. I mean, he's barely lost a game. Yeah. From and that goes back when you look at his record at Barnsley. You look at his record with us. I mean, he has barely lost the game. So you can understand why he's got such immense belief um, in his system. Look, his way is going to win a lot more games than it's going to lose. No doubt about it. Um, just the one thing, we only, yeah, for me, that was, the, that, was the, that was like the big question mark from it was, I think maybe we could have escaped with a point had we gone 3-5-2. But look, who knows? We might have lost the game 2-0 instead of 1-0. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I know this isn't a Stoke podcast, but 
Do you think Stoke are going to be legit promotion contenders? I mean, judging by that performance, I thought they were you know, they were as good as anyone. I think, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, you're right, it's not a Stoke podcast, but they are an interesting side. I think, I mean, look, they're, they're a local club. In, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's sort of a, an intense sort of rivalry with Stoke um, because they're local, because of the Tony Pulis factor. Um, I think it's interesting. I think Michael O'Neill's quite an intriguing manager after everything he did internationally. It's interesting that he's changed his style this season. They're, 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 I mean, they're a lot more of a footballing team this year than they have been in the previous years under him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in, I, I think Romain Sawyer's will improve them. I think, I think Nick Powell and that Vucinic are such good players that all they need... And so they're, they're playing this... What they're playing? 3-4-2-1 system. Well, yeah. they're basically playing two number 10s. Powell and Vucinic, those two number 10s. And let's be honest, Soyuz is going to find them all day long um, when he's in that team. So I think that's, I think they're, I think they're a decent side. I think, I think they're going to be right up. Though. Are they going to be, I don't, are they going to be automatic promotion contenders? I don't know. I'm a massive fan of a striker. they got Tyrese Campbell. When he gets back fit, they're going to be a better side than what they are now. Um, I don't know if they're good enough for top two, to be honest. But they look real, real contenders for the playoffs. They mm. really do. Yeah, and I mean, what compounded things, I suppose, at Stoke was, you know, the run comes to an end, and yeah, you you're beaten in a game. The run's gonna come to an end at some point, and and Stoke away is not a bad place for that run to end because they're they're obviously a good side, and you're away from home, and it's a, it's an atmosphere which isn't always the nicest for for travelling teams. But Alex Mowat coming off injured, that's that's just. It just adds to the the bad news of that day, doesn't it? Yeah, so we're still waiting to find out exactly what the situation... There, there's rumours going around that, obviously, he's, we know he's hurt his foot to the extent to which we're not still not sure there's been no confirmation from the club um, how badly injured he is. The God's Honest Truth is, and this is the God's Honest Truth, if I could pick one player not to get injured, it would be Alex Moher. Yeah. Um, I do think he is absolutely integral to this side. I think he was... I think he was integral for Ishmael at Barnes last season. I think he's been brilliant for us this season. I, I think Malumbi's a very good backup, I've got it's gotta be said. Um and look, we couldn't expect Alex Mowat and Jake Livermore to play forty six games this season. Like it, it was just never gonna happen. Um but I think You know that weird saying, first name on the team sheet, which obviously has never ever happened because you you put them in the order of their the goalkeeper's always the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? Yeah. But as it stands for me, that the top three names on the team sheet are Robinson, Moa, and Johnston. Yeah. Um, because I just think all three of them are so important. Um, and yeah, he's. Look, if it's a broken foot, if it's a metatarsal, it'll be six weeks, won't it? Hopefully, it's a lot less than that. Um, obviously, we've got a two week break now, so that, that aids it in some way, but he's a smashing player. Alex Mowat, I really think he's a smashing player and Mike, he can really hit a ball, can't he? Yeah, he, I mean, he scored a couple of brilliant goals, but it's not just the goals, is it? It's the way he gets himself about midfield, the, the balls he can play, he knows how to pick a pass, his set-piece delivery. Yeah, You're just point, losing yeah. so much when, you, when you've not got him because this isn't talking down someone like you know Malumbi or, or, or maybe Snodgrass, but neither of them can offer the whole, the whole package, which is what Mowat does. So I've said to you before, like I think 
three four three feels a very new formation to me mm. in terms of like the way football's evolved over the last couple of years. And I've said like I'm not I'm still not a hundred percent sure what you need from your central midfielders in a three four three. Like I guess it's just absolute energy box to box, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um and he just is that to a T, isn't he? Like he mm. is just absolutely perfect for it. So you can see why he was so important to Ishmael at Barnsley. You can see why. Look, every, I mean, everyone expected Moet to come to Albion, didn't they? As soon as Ishmael got the job, it was it was like it was so obvious that was going to happen. Um, he's a smashing lad. Interviewed him a couple of times now. Really nice, really nice lad. Very, very pleasant. Very polite. Got a hell of a left foot on him. Um, it's just yeah, it'd be. I mean, look, I think sooner the sooner he's back, the better. Really, hopefully, it's not too serious. Yeah, like the base stat, I think for 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 the midfielder, if you, if you wanted one quality, it would it would be that energy. But then, it's the things on top of that which which he offers, isn't it? It's it is that delivery, it is the you know the ability to create chances and score goals, which is something the other players maybe uh, can't do to that level. Um, what did you make of the reaction to to the defeat on social media? Because my word, I know social media is not a good brommer, and we say this almost every week now, but some of it is just mind boggling. Yeah, what's what's surprising? It's I think like it, it, I keep saying it's surprising. So at what point do you stop being surprised? But I do keep um, I do keep being surprised by it. It's, I think what really was surprising was that on the back of they became record breakers the game before. Yeah. So, I mean, it is wonderful. No one expects anyone to go for a championship season unbeaten. You're going to lose at some point. Hmm. Losing one nil at Stoke, it's not the end of the world. All right, it wasn't a great performance. I mean, that album were way off the pace, but I don't know. I don't know. It was. It, it was strong. It was strong. It was, and the thing is, right? I, I know you just touched on it. Albion are second in the table, right? Three points behind Bournemouth, who haven't lost a game. They've got the best goal difference in the league. They've they've scored twenty goals and only conceded nine. I think I think in terms of goals conceded, that's. It's the, sec- the joint second, the second or third best in the league. There's too many good signs from this Albion side for me to be, for people to be moaning. And I understand that the style of playing might not be exactly to everyone's taste, but you can't complain when you're getting results. And it's only one defeat, one. Yeah, yeah. And well, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It must be. It must just be the way the world is now. I don't know how else to. I don't know how else to explain it, really. I, I, look, I'm not. I don't now. I've been about the Premier League. I'm not. I don't. I don't follow the Premier League as closely as I should. Um, but look, let me just have a very quick look at the table because all I want to know is where Leicester are. So Leicester, Leicester are like tenth, a thirteenth, seven games played, two drawn, two lost, three. Now, being honest. This probably sounds a bit mean, but the day Leicester won the Premier League, I thought that club might as well be wound up. I was like, this, this, this is it for them. This is, this is as good as it's ever going to get. Like, it's, I mean, that is just amazing. What an achievement. Best like winning the Nobel Prize, just quit after that. You're not going to top it. You're not going to top it. That, like, I thought that is incredible. Like, that, that, it's the best story in football I've ever seen. 5,000 to 1 or whatever they were. What a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant achievement. Gives hope to everyone. I never saw them going on to win the FA Cup and the Community Shield a couple of years later. I think they have done so well. 
so well. I think Brendan Rodgers has done an absolutely incredible job there. And they're getting booed off at the minute. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand it. I don't, I don't, and I feel like, it's, I don't feel like it's, a, it's getting to the stage where it's not a, it's not an Albion thing, is it? It's a, it is a, a gen, like, I think if Leicester are booing, and look, I'm not at the Leicester games, so I haven't seen the Leicester games, really, I haven't really got much of a valued opinion on it because I haven't been to those Leicester games, but mm. to be 13th in the Premier League, having just won the FA Cup and the Community Shield after seven games, to me, that seems like a hell of a success for Leicester. Um, but they're getting booed. Albion are getting a men's stick. On, well, they were getting a men's stick that night. I think a lot of it is... did a story the other week. Ishmael was asked about the fans and the fan reaction stuff, and he, he, he sort of called for the unity to come back. And so obviously, at the start of the season, there was that unity there, but it definitely... It definitely um, Things definitely did turn when there was that run of three draws in a row and performances weren't great. And he called for the unity to return. He said basically everywhere he's been, he's had success because the fans are right behind the team. And it's so much easier when you've got that support behind you. And when I put that story out, there was, an, there was, a, there was a real reaction to people saying, we are right behind him. We really support him. We're unbeaten, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like There really, really was... But those people, I think, because Ishmael had come out and said something, people wanted to come out and support him. Whereas I think it's it's the vocal minority, isn't it? When you're angry, you speak out on Twitter. Yeah. And I think perhaps the more calmer, more measured fans that stay quiet. Um, that, that that can only be my logic for it. It's just very, very, very in the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. People, um, people react to stuff in an instant. and Because I don't think those people that were immensely angry that Friday night are as angry now as they sit here now. No, they'll be looking forward to the Blues game. Looking forward to the Blues game, looking at the table going, oh, a second, right in the race for automatic promotion. Got an absolutely cracking chance of... I mean, I really think worst case scenario, Albion are going to finish in fourth this season. I think that will be the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, so they've got a very good chance of going up automatically. Um, yeah I think now they're measured but yes oh yeah after games emotions certainly run high don't look at that hashtag that WBA hashtag Um, before we get on to other things what should um, Ishmael be working on over the international break you know is it is it just a matter of lifting the players again and and getting ready for another run of, of fixtures or is it you know maybe Working on something defensively or going forward? Yeah, I think they just... Uh, I don't think... I mean, they're they're all going to have a break, aren't they? I think they need that break. That's important. And then, yeah, they'll just get back to doing what they were doing. They've, they've shown over the last 10 games that they're a side making real progress. They can now play high-intensity, pressing vowel ball, as we all sort of expected it to be mm. at the beginning. And they can also keep the ball play with composure, as they showed at Cardiff. So, look, they're fine-tuning it, aren't they? They're still... Learning they're, they're going to have to come up against a lot of teams that each week try and come up with different ways to stop them because I think that is the aim for opposition teams it is simply to stop Albion really Stoke were the exception they really did play well um, but look Albion are going to they'll come back fresh and raring to go they really will that's it um, and that's what we're all hoping to see 
certificate of adoption, we have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 553818. Right, let's talk about Callum Robinson because this is a story that came out this morning. Um, one that's obviously, you know, I think as anyone would have expected as invoked you know, um, a lot of talk online, a lot of talk, you know, between between fans and between general people who, you know, it's a decision that, you know, is everyone's to make. Um, and Callum Robinson admits that he's 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 not been jabbed for, for COVID. He's had it twice now. I mean, I think me and you would both say that the right thing to do is to get the jab. I personally have had both of mine. Um... And although it is a personal choice, I think there's enough data out there to suggest that a that it's safe and b that it's incredibly effective, um, and it helps the world get back moving. But um, for Robinson, he's 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 opted against having it. Joe, what what do you make of it? Yeah, he's opted against um, having it so far. He has said he could change his mind, but as it stands, um, he hasn't had the jab. He's chosen not to get the jab. Um, yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one in terms of look. Me and you are both double jabbed. We would, I would highly recommend anyone get the jab. To be honest, mm. it's just you just want life back to normal, didn't we? After what we went through in lockdown, and and to me, the jab is is the safest and best way to do that. But it's an inter it's an interesting. Look, I mean, it's been an interesting twenty four hours. So the, we got the story. It was actually um, the Press Association wrote the story yesterday. We got, we got, I got alerted to it about seven o'clock that it was going to be on the embargoed list for eleven p.m. Um, meant to tweet at eleven p.m. last night, but I was playing Football Manager and forgot. Um, classic, massive. Classic. Um, so, for, so for, for a starting point, Callum Robinson was asked this question directly: "Have you been jabbed?" Mm. You'd, you'd like to think that a press officer would have warned him um, before the press conference took place that that question was going to be asked. You'd imagine that did happen and he, and he would be comfortable talking about it and explaining his decision, but we don't know. But he was asked. I think, I think it's important to make that sort of definition, really, because he hasn't come out as... He hasn't come out on Twitter or as an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. He has sat at a press conference to preview a game of football and he has been asked the question. Um, it's it's really what what first of all I'm really surprised I'm a bit surprised tell me if you think I'm been naive or whatever but I mean he is everywhere today Callum Robinson you can't look on the yeah. internet without seeing Callum Robinson's face basically I mean he's he's been trending on Twitter ever since last night he's been trending throughout the day every news outlet in the country has run the story um, he is absolutely everywhere. Because he's been one of the first footballers to really kind of disclose that information properly, hasn't he? 
Yeah, I thought there'd been a few more, but maybe maybe I'm a bit naive. I didn't. I didn't I've known there was a problem in football with a, with with a vaccine, but I didn't realise there was so few had gone public. But what is clear is there's no doubt that football has got a problem with the vaccine. So ninety percent, according to figures, something like eighty nine percent of the UK population has had the first dose. It drops to like eighty two percent or something um, for the second dose. But but like the vast vast majority of of the country have have had the vaccine in football it's around 40 to 50 percent so it's a big drop on the average um and it's it's interesting to know why i mean it's fascinating like it's difficult to pinpoint why obviously wolves have actually come out and said they are they are 100 percent vaccinated i think they're the only club to have done that um but only seven clubs in the premier league have come out and said more than 50% of their players are vaccinated. Mm. So it seems that at 13 Premier League clubs, less than 50% of players have been vaccinated. Um, Jurgen Klopp has said 99% of Liverpool players have been vaccinated. So it's odd. Look, there's, there's on the one hand, one one reason why they haven't been vaccinated, one reason why they might not have been vaccinated or, is that Obviously, you do feel unwell for a lot of people. Do feel unwell a couple of days after, a couple of days afterwards. I certainly did. Um, I think I was worse for my first job than I was for my second. Yeah. Um, but but managers are going to understand that. I mean, like, the, the, there's always an opportunity to get a. Not there's not always games on a Tuesday in the Championship or midweek games. So there has been weeks where an Albion player, Callum Robinson, or any championship player could get vaccinated, say, on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and the the side effects will have certainly worn off by the following Saturday. Um, and I think your manager would understand in training if you felt a bit... If you had a couple of... If Monday and Tuesday you didn't train great because you'd had the jab on the Sunday or something. Even if, but, even if you had the day off. Oh, if you had the day off, yeah. And then... So that's one reason why... I mean, look, these are all... Things that people say, and we don't know why. We don't know. Callum Robinson didn't actually really give a clear answer um, when asked why he hasn't had the jab. He basically just said it's his decision, which it absolutely is, and I and I and it is up to the individual. Um, if, you, if 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 a person doesn't want to do it, then that's their right. I don't have to do it. But the the other thing is sort of never belief, if you like, why why the drop off is so big in football is because. Footballers have an awful lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think people are always people are always surprised that footballers listen to podcasts or read football stories. And, and, and the truth is they do it because, A, they're just like us. They, they love football and they, and they want to listen to podcasts and read about football. And, B, they've got more time than us. So, if anything, they consume even more because... They're probably owned by one o'clock every day, most days, whereas yeah. everyone else is working nine to five or the equivalent of an eight-hour day. Um, so they consume everything. They're on social media a lot. I'm, I have to say, I said to you before we recorded, I'm not on Facebook. I've, I haven't been on it for years and years and years. So I, I don't know just how strong the anti-vax message is on Facebook. Um, but it appears that there's an awful lot of it. Um, and footballers are on Facebook and they're seeing a lot of these anti-vax messages and I'm not saying that's we don't know what if that's influenced Callum Robinson we just don't know what his sort of underlying reason is for not getting the jab but 
there is certainly a problem in football um, where an awful lot of players just are deciding not to do it, which is, for me, it is a bit of a concern. It is. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd be more inclined to understand a footballer's situation um, if they gave a reason, one which was, you know, I'm not saying that any player has to give a reason. It is a personal choice. Um, you know, no one should be forced to get the vaccine Um like I said, it's it's your own body, it's your own choice. I think the statistics are there, but uh, each to their own in terms of that thinking. But if there's a reason, for example, if footballers are, are worried that there might be something in the jab where, you know, I mean, footballers go undergo all kinds of different drug tests and stuff like that, and there, there could be a genuine worry over that. I just think maybe a little bit more education is needed for, for, for players and for clubs, Um and I know that they've tried to push that, um, but I think it needs a bit more pushing because clearly it hasn't it hasn't kind of rung home with with some that it is safe and completely you know fine for pe- for people to have um, according to, to statistics. But in the same respect, I'm sure you've got friends and I've got friends who who probably haven't had the jab yet, um, and it's their own decision. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting situation. We'll see how that goes. Um, you do wonder what it's going to mean for for Callum if he if he goes if he goes away with with Ireland um, whether he'll be able to to come back and not isolate and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Shall we get on to questions? Yeah, go for it. Go let's, for it. Let's let's get on to questions. The first one comes from WBA Max. Uh, is there pressure from the top for a manager to select a player based on how much they cost? Grant and Grady seem to get picked as frequently as anyone else in the squad, regardless of form. If they were my investments, I know I wouldn't. I'd want to make sure they're getting the game time, but at what cost? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. There is pressure. Um, absolutely no doubt about there is pressure um, from the top to play. There's not necessarily. I mean, it might not be the owner or or the chief exec telling you to play them, but there's a natural kind of pressure, isn't there? Well, I think I think on a certain level, it is the owner and the chief exec telling you. It's not. Don't. It's not every week. It's not. It's not. It's not. If if Valerian Ishmael doesn't want to play Grady and Carlin Grant next week, for example, then he's and say Ray and Tullock's fit. He's got every right to go with Matt Phillips and Tullock one side and Robinson through the middle. He can do. He the all anyone wants at Albion is to get promoted to the Premier League. They are getting up to the Premier League is worth a hell of a lot more money. Um, than getting Grady Dean Garner or Carlin Grant successful. Mm. But I've got absolutely no doubt when Valerian Ishmael was interviewed for the job or and was offered the job, part of the terms of the job would have been you have to get a tune out of these two players. They're absolutely massive investments for the football club. They're paid over long-term deals, what do we think? Look, I think, I think, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on it, but from what I can remember from conversations I had around the time, I think Grady Dean Garner was £6 million up front, £6 mm. million pounds in add-ons that are guaranteed, instalments, if you like, and I think it was then another £6 million in bonuses and bits and bobs that could take it to the £18 million that would make him Albion's record signing. So Albion are in for £12 million, basically, for Grady, no matter what. And they're in for £15 million for Carl and Grant, £2.5 million over five years, six years or whatever it is, I can't remember. But So there's absolutely, absolutely was, Ishmael would have been told that he needs to get these players firing again and needs to 
get put his arm around them and get them back to their best because Albion can't afford to have two players like that sat in the stands. Or, but look, it's not that there definitely would have been that pressure. But but on the on the other hand, they're wonderful Championship players. Mm. They're absolutely wonderful Championship players. Having any manager, if you said to them, "Do you want Grady Dean Garner and Carlin Grant in your squad in the Championship?" the vast vast majority of managers would want them. So it's not it's not really a hindrance. Um, but part of his job role, if you like, part of his specification would be to get a tune out of those players. If he can't do it, if one of them just absolutely has fallen off a cliff form-wise, then that would be understood. They're not going to play one player every week at the cost of results. But Ishmael will have been told to, to get, get try and do everything he can to get a tune out of those players. Um, but they are, aren't they? I mean, Callum Robinson... Four goals, I think, this season now. Is it four goals? Yes, three goals. Three or four. Uh, um, so, Carlin, yeah. So they they they're moving in they're moving in the right direction. I think Carlin Grant is getting better and better. I think Grady Dean Garner is getting better and better. If they continue on the trajectory they are on, then event then they they're going to have very good seasons, aren't they? They are, they, they are only improving, and like, you could see it. Um, at Cardiff, so that getting that assist for Grady was just it meant the world to him. Mm. Uh, Ishman is a very stats manager; like he, he's very, very big on data. Data drives his team selection; it drives his recruitment. Um, so it was important for him to get that number on the board, I think. Um, but he, but he's got it on the board now, so yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll kick on from there. Yeah, fingers crossed he will do. Um... Suraj Chohan asks this one, and you're going to love this, Joe. You will love it. Uh, why are we not considering how Robson Carnu is a short-term option until we get a strike in January? He fits the style, no harm getting in, in on, a, on an end-of-season contract. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but You'd love him back. I'd, I'd love him back. <laughs> I can't say it any other way. I'd absolutely love him back. Um, Do you think it says something that no one's picked him up yet? It's interesting. I mean, I've tried to speak to him, but to no avail. Um, I'd love to know what his plans are. Look, I mean, look, he's a very wealthy man, isn't he? Um, yeah. um, he's got a very successful turmeric business. Um, he's obviously been a professional footballer for a very long time. He's, he, he's not short of a bob. Um, so uh, he hasn't retired, though, as far as I'm aware. There's been no announcement where he said, I'm calling it a day. So I think he's only 32. Yeah, he's still got years in the tank. Uh, Hal Robson Carney is 32. Uh, I know way too much about this guy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, look. I'd have given him a deal last season. I'd have him in the team now. I think he'd be great. I think he'd hold the ball up for us. I think he'd bring the wide players into play. I think he'd be absolutely perfect for us, but then I am... I am literally how Robson Carney's biggest fan, so. But I think people are starting to see it now. Mm. I think what really annoys me about how Robson Carney's situation is, he was absolutely brilliant when we last went up, up until sort of COVID, when everyone at Albion wasn't great, Bardar Roche. Um, so, I think, yeah, yeah. But look, he's he divides opinion, doesn't he? How Robson Carney? There's Massively. probably no, there's probably no one that admires him as much as I do um, but yeah 
it sums it up that the response to the question, um, someone someone just said, "Are you having a laugh?" Yeah, well, <laughs> that sums up the divisiveness around Hal Robson Carney. It's, it's, he's so, I mean, I wouldn't sign him. I'd start him. Like he literally would be back in, and he'd be playing every week for me. But then people, other people aren't having him. So it's just he scored twelve goals last time we went up, and it, it, the first two or three months of the season, he, he barely got a start. He was behind Charlie Austin. So I think he's a very good player at this level, and I think he holds onto the ball better than anyone else at the football club. Um, mm. But. He's not there. You don't see it. No, it won't happen. It won't. Re- they won't resign him. Um, huh. I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong. I really would. I'd, I'd happily like be proved wrong, but li- li- it's not. Go- it's not going to happen. Fair enough. Uh, all Albion fans, how do you see Ishmael handling uh, the upcoming suspensions for Livermore and Mowat? If Malumbi's the alternative, he isn't being used very much in preparation, even when players on yellows risking a red. Or do you think Ishmael is holding out for Snodgrass or Ajayi? I think. I think you could probably. Or maybe consider throwing Kevin Castro in there as well. If if there's a player suspended, he might drop into the squad. Um, I mean, they are going to get five yellows, aren't they, Livermore and Moa, uh, given that they're playing week in, week out? Yeah, I think... Look, yeah. The question is, are they going to be suspended at the same time? I think Malumbi is a very, very adequate replacement for both of them in terms of this system. In terms of what you want from a central midfielder in Ishmael's style of play, he has bundles of energy, he's gritty, he, he breaks up plays, he's, I think he's absolutely fine. I've got, I've got no real problem with Malumbi ever playing when, when Livermore and Moet can't. If, mm. if, if, if both of them were out at the same time, which is now very possible if, if Moet is going to be out injured for a while... Um, then yeah, then you have got an, is- an issue in terms of Kevin Castro. I just do not think he's ready. Um, he needs more time with the under twenty threes. He's he's not ready for me. Um, is Robert Snodgrass a central midfielder that can do this? I'm not sure. Is Shemi Ajayi the answer? I don't think he is. I think if he was, Dar Roche wouldn't have gone into central midfield earlier earlier in the season when mm. Ajayi could have. So I don't think Ishmael sees Ajayi in that role. Um, it's a worry, yeah. It's a worry. You'd imagine if they're both missing for a game, it will be Malumbi and Snodgrass. You'd imagine. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, or maybe even Phillips. You could try Phillips, Phillips. Huh? I mean, I think Phillips could do it. Has he got the? It's just defensively they have to put in a lot of work. Those two. They, what I think probably the. They sweep up a lot, Livermore and Moet. Mm. When ball when balls come out and when I've been a push pressing and pushing, and the, and the team do manage to get it clear, if they've left someone up, Livermore and Moet are normally there just to sweep up and. They read it well, don't they? They read it well, and with the greatest, it's no no disrespect to Matt Phillips. He just hasn't had to ever. He is a forward thinking player. That is where he plays his football in the final third of the pitch, really. Um, so. Yeah, and you don't want you don't want them both out. You really don't. No, Malumbi's um, absolutely fine, but I think after that, the, the, I mean, it does it, it is it is concerning. Hmm. Cal Haywood, any news on the motor injury? We've covered that one, uh, so nothing just yet. Uh, Daniel Tudge, why is there always two minutes of dead air at the end of each podcast? Is this where Luke sits dreaming of pulling the shirt on and scoring in front of the brummy? I wasn't aware there was two minutes of dead air at the end of each podcast. I will I will address that 
um, in post production for the for these in future. Um, but no, I don't just sit there dreaming of scoring in front of the Brummie uh, road end. Um, Devonshire Baggies asks, can you and Luke give a preferred Albion front free? I ran a poll recently and results were Grady on the left, Robinson down the middle and Phillips on the right. Yeah, so we did this the other week, didn't we? Um, I'd probably go with that. I think Grant's in great form, but there's something about Grady. I think he's he's got the potential to just like run a game, win a game on his own, but we haven't seen it yet. So Ishmael was asked about this. Um... Like when he, he he picks his front three based on the opposition. So sometimes he says you need more. Like if they're going to press, you need more sort of mobility, more energy. It's not necessarily about the physicality, but it's good if you're pressing. So say if he went with like a front three of, like with Matt Phillips or Callum Robinson through the middle rather than Jordan Hugo, it's then good to after sixty minutes bring on some physicality, because they're tired. So the physicality just drains them. Um, but he also said he's going to keep chopping and changing them. But he also said, and this is, this is probably key to it, and this is how I'd see it, is you have to pick players who are scoring goals because mm-hmm. you, want, you, you want the player to have that feeling of confidence and to have that belief that when they're going to go out, they're going to score. Um, and you don't get that if he, if he constantly changes. So they're the two things. He, his front three says so he's going to keep changing them, but... The three factors are, right, who are the defenders they are up against? What are their strengths? How do we counteract those strengths? And have we got a player who is scoring goals? So I think it, I think it's, there's, there's, there's not much difference in ability mm. between Grady, between Carlin, between Callum Robinson, Matt Phillips, Jordan Hugo. That, so we can all like debate it as much as we want but if you terms of if you're picking a, a front three for tomorrow's game against just a random championship side then for me it would be Carlin on the left probably Matt Phillips through the middle and Callum on the right mm. or Callum through the middle and Phillips on the right but but you have to. I think as it stands today, you def. I'm. I've always. Grady's my fave. Well, he's my fave. But like, I do believe Grady's the most talented of the, all the forwards. Yeah. But. It, but he ha- Carlin has to play now, because he's in. He's in form. He's scoring goals. It's, it, I mean, some of the, the finishes have been really good, and he can. He scored seventeen goals for Huddersfield, in a poor Huddersfield side. So. If you said to me now, put ten pounds on one player. One player's going to get fifteen goals this season in that forward line. You got to put a tenner on who you think it'll be. It'll oh, be yeah, Carl and Grant. It'd be Carl and Grant. So, Carlin has to play as it stands because he's in form. Hmm. Interesting though. Yeah. Jack Ormrod asks, uh, do you think the, Haw- the Hawthorns has a good atmosphere, especially keen on Luke's view? In my opinion, it's become a very sterile and miserable place to be and has been for a fairly long time. I, I've i always said this, the best atmosphere I've ever heard in, in any ground um, came at the Hawthorns and it was it was in the, the semi-final second leg against Aston Villa in the Championship. Um, but in general, I think the atmosphere is fine. 
I'm not just picking out one. Well, I mean, you can pick out one day and say, yeah, it was great. And it was it was fantastic that day. But I think in general, the atmosphere is pretty decent. When you go to other grounds in the championship, there aren't. it's not that loud. I think it's been great at points this season. There was a point, and it was pointed out by uh, a friend of the podcast, Joe Chapman. Uh, what game was it? Was it QPR? Yeah, it was the last game when Albion fans just... And they like randomly, minutes. it randomly picked up and just lifted the team, didn't they? Yeah, there's been there's been moments when it's been flat. That um, I think it that might comes been, at, that comes at any ground though. Like I think it might have been the Millwall game actually, where like we were sat there after 15, 20 minutes, and it just like we didn't know what was going to unfold, but it felt very flat. Um, but then yeah, like the QPR game, complete opposite. I think the whole fund is a smashing atmosphere. I think it's as good as anywhere else. Mm. They really do. I think when you when you compare it to other grounds in the championship in particular, who would you who would you put above it? I mean Bournemouth's a bit small. Yeah, not Fulham Nah. Yeah, well it's got half a stand, isn't it, Fulham? Sheffield United maybe when they're when they're really rocking, but I don't know. For me for me it's one it's right up there in the championship. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um and one of the better grounds in general in the championship. Oh, 100%. I think it's the best ground I do. Yeah. Uh, Chris Adams, why is Moat not taking every corner? That was a great weapon at the start of the season. I love Furlong, but facts are he hasn't got a better corner delivery than Moat. Uh, I'd probably agree with that. I think Moat's you know, set pieces are probably the pick of the, uh, of the squad. But you have a right footer taking them on the on the left and a left footer taking them on the right, don't you? So you, you want some swinging in. So you get that swinging, yeah, which is why, which would be the reason why you're not taking them both sides. Um and Ishmael is so big on having players that are assert, well, left footers on the left and right footers on the right. All about balance. He's all about balance, yeah. Um, so that's probably why. Mm. Uh, JWBA, do you think Brian is disappointed in training? He's not really played at all despite our lack of a left-sided centre-back. Um, I'm not sure whether he would have disappointed. I think it's a matter of getting up to speed with, with Ishmael's style of play personally. It's an interesting one because it was a while though. I'll give him that. Um, so obviously, the last couple of games, I think Adam Reach has done very, very well, with the exception of Stoke, where no one was great. Not like just just no bar Sam Johnston, really. Nobody was great. Um, yeah, and and Ishmael's obviously been. I asked him about Reach, and he was also asked about Townsend, and he was very, very happy with the two of them. Mm. Very happy with the two of them. Um, and he thinks Connor's really sort of developed into that left centre-back role. Um, and he's very, very happy with Reach. So I think it keeps them both in the team. Um, and now obviously Matt Clark's back. I think Townsend's difficult. I think Townsend has played very, very well at left centre-back, but there's been just one or two moments where he's wobbled. Mm. Um one of those was at Stoke, of course. He like gave the ball away in the build-up to the goal, and you just think that's probably he spent his whole career at left back or left wing back. He's being asked to learn a new position at a very, very high level, and I think perhaps on occasion some some mistakes have crept in there. And but there's no doubt Ishmael was really happy with Townsend and Reach. Now Clark's back, who has to play for me. Because he's that good, really. He just has to play. I, I would be surprised if Clark doesn't start against Blues. Yeah. 
I think he has to come back into the team. So, it's, yeah, I think Townsend basically kept O'Brien out of the team. But his, I wonder if, if to turn back the clock, if Albion would sign Brian now. Mm. Because he has been there a while. We need a left footed centre back. It seems weird to me that Townsend is ahead of him in the pecking order, having when that is his position. Brian yeah. has only ever played on the left of a back three, really. That's um, so. I wonder if, in hindsight, whether Albion would have not signed him. Um, but look, they were rocked, weren't they? O'Shea, absolute disastrous injury. Mm. Um, I mean, he's going to be back. We don't know when he's going to be back. I mean, hopefully it will be this season, but it's going to be a long time away. And then, obviously, Matt Clark has recovered well. He's back now. But, yeah, I wonder I wonder if they wouldn't have signed him, you know. Yeah, I want to think about... Although, I do I do think it takes a while to get up to, to Ishmael's kind of requirements. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um... Under twenty threes have been ply- have been flying, says Purple Jag. Uh who can make the step up? Um It's difficult to know really. Um It's a very different level. It's a very different level. You get carried away by it as well. Um You only need to look at like, you know, some young players who just don't kind of make that step up and then you think, Oh yeah, like he was a world beater at a young young level, but he's coming up against like Proper proper players at this point. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if this is fair comment, but it's probably our thing. I don't really look at in the twenty three as, as 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 a progress as it can step up. I think Albion, Albion have got a policy where they want players out on loan, mm-hmm. they, and they want them out on loan for a reason because playing league, you can't compare under twenty three's football to League One football. You just can't. No, if you play a League One team against Albion's under twenty three's, the League One team will absolutely smash them. So, if I was you, I'd be more looking at which players are out on loan and which players are doing well. Um, it's so, a bigger it's a bigger sign that they're close to the first team if they're out on loan than it, it, than it is yeah. if they're doing well for the under twenty three. It is in my opinion. It is in my opinion. Look, they're at the, if you're at loan, you can't come back at the end of the day. So, like obviously, players like Caleb Taylor, Taylor Garner Hickman, Tom Fellows, they will get they will be playing for the under twenty three. Fellows is obviously doing very well. He's supposed to be very highly thought of by Ishmael. So he's maybe one you could look at in terms of answering that question. But from what I understand, he is behind Tulloch. And I think we would all say Tulloch is sort of sixth or seventh choice in the forward line. So that's the, that's the level we're talking, really. Mm. We're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking a long way away. Um, the two players... Like, I mean, who have been got out there? The big one's Josh Griffiths, isn't it? I mean, the goalkeeper, he looks... He looks a hell of a prospect. He really does. Yeah. Um, Callum Morton. And Callum Morton, who is doing very well again out on loan. So, but he needs games, Callum Morton, because he keeps getting injured. He's fit and doing well at the minute. So, yeah, well, it's such a big leap is is, is the issue. Like, I think it's crazy. Cause there's a big leap between in the 23s to League One, I'd say. But there's a big leap from League One to the Championship. There's an even bigger leap from League One to the top of the Championship, which is where Albion are trying to get to the Premier League. Um, I think, I think perhaps I don't want it to sound patronising, but I think maybe fans of the Premier League and Championship clubs don't realise just how big a drop off it is to League One. 
League mm. Two. I mean, what do you think? You you go to League One, League Two games still? Yeah, I mean, for me, League One, League Two is is ahead of um, under twenty threes football. I think you see it in the AFL Trophy most of the time. Um, I mean, you only need to look at. I mean, last night Shrewsbury Town fielded a very young side uh, against Wolves under twenty ones, um, and they beat them. And the fact mm-hmm. that it was. It wasn't even a starting lineup for Shrewsbury Town, who haven't had a good season, by the way. It was so it was far. their kids who were close to their first team, who could play in League One. Yeah, players. But they're, you but, know, they're, but they're on the bench, really. Exactly, and if they're beating them, I think it, it shows. And the difference in physicality is the main thing because it's all well and good doing it against other seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-olds. When you're coming up against a, you know, a, a centre back, you wouldn't want to approach in a in a dark alley. And you're a striker. It's very, very different. It's incredibly different. Um, and ultimately, you know, you you're coming up against players who I'm not saying that only 23 players are motivated, but there's much less pressure on them. Whereas there's a real impact at you know at League One, League Two level if you're playing and if if you don't have a good season and you could find yourself out of the league because a lot of the time you're not on a long contract. And there's always someone else who can come in, so you, you're playing. You're, you're playing for your livelihood. Whereas at under twenty three level, I know you're doing that in 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 a you know in one way, but there's not so much pressure on a game. Um, so there's that as well. Uh, Just feel like sometimes like the the jumps. Like let's look at it. Like Chelsea are top of the Premier League, yeah. Yeah. And Bournemouth are top of the Championship. Yeah. So obviously a long way to go. Yeah. But if Chelsea, if if tomorrow, Chelsea, someone I don't know who can it be Paris Saint Germain offer Chelsea a hundred million for Mendy in goal, yeah, yeah, and they accept the bid. They're not going to replace him with Mark Travers at Bournemouth. No, he's got Bournemouth to the top of the Championship as it stands, but they're not going to do that, are they? No. So you need to like everyone will go. Whoa, what's a gap? Well, the, the, the gaps are, are like pretty relative, really. Like, there is a big gap. Don't get me wrong, the gap can be bridged. There's players that are good enough playing at those levels to bridge those gaps. I really think Josh Griffiths is one of them, for example. Like, I think he isn't a million miles away for being ready to be Albin's number one goalkeeper. He is that good. But but, but these gaps are real. So you just got to be... You can't get carried away, really, by under-23's performances. All necessarily good performances in League One. Yeah. But, but, but that's definitely a much... Bigger yardstick than under twenty three's football, in my opinion. Quick side question, just on something you've asked, and it's just come to my mind. Um, say Albin don't keep Sam Johnson, they go up. What do you do with Josh Griffiths? If they don't keep Sam Johnston, Sam Johnson departs the club. They go up, and he he gets an offer from another club, Premier League club. Oh, Albin go up, but Sam Johnston gets an offer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's tough then because Griffiths will be twenty years old. I think he's nineteen now. He might be twenty now, so he's gonna be he's gonna be aged between nineteen and twenty-one. Mm. Um, which would mean you can't really. I don't think you could really expect them to. You couldn't. You'd have, you, to, you'd have to load him to the championship. I think. You reckon? If he's good enough, to. he's old enough. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's hard to know. Is he good enough though? And yeah. he, it does yeah. appear like he is. Don't get me wrong. Like he's. Making waves, and he's in the England under twenty one squad and stuff. He's like he is very, very good. Um, and people I've spoken to watched him rave about him. He, he's got it all, but 
Yeah, it's just me. Would you really want to throw a kid keeper in in the Premier League for a battle for survival? I think it's a big ask, to be honest. It is, but then part of me thinks, you know, do you spend another six million on a goalkeeper, which you could spend on a striker to fire you up, keep you up? I don't know. It was just it just came to my head. It came to my head. Uh, off the cuff. What was that? Off the cuff. It was off the cuff. Off the cuff. It, um, very oddly there. Um, this, the program we were using kind of cut you out, and it sounded like you said something completely different then. But what did it sound uh, like I said? Sounded like I said "f off." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You and you. That's Crack exactly on. what it's, it sounded like to me. But it, the thing is, people listening to it won't hear that because it'll be fine on the recording. Um, right, I'm going to finish with a little segment. I know we're we're at an hour already, but I oh thought my we'd god, you've done little... some production for once. Wow. Wow. F off, mate. <laughs> Um, it's one which you will not like and I know it for oh. well but the listeners will love it um, it's about Albion it's not about food don't worry don't worry oh, yes. uh, because there's no game coming up we will be doing a podcast next week to preview the game against Booth so we won't touch that now uh, this, one, this segment is called It's Only October But okay you sound delighted I so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it's only October But and then give you a uh, a statement, and you can either agree, disagree, or, or just give your thoughts on it, or pass on it completely. Okay. So it makes sense to you? It makes sense. You sound apprehensive. Um, I'm not. I'm not. It's fine. It's only October, but Alex Moat has been the signing of the season in the Championship. Oh, wow. What in the Championship? <sighs> what do you make of that? What do you make of that statement? Um... I don't know if he's been... I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was a free transfer, and he's integral to our way of playing. We really... It's just... Has he been the signing of the, of the entire division? Yeah, that's what. That's the statement, mate. I'm not saying I necessarily believe all these things, I'm just saying them and seeing what your reaction is. Um, I can't think of anyone. Is, is anyone jumping out of you that could rival him? Hmm. Not to not to like not overwhelmingly. Um, who is it? Bournemouth sign was it? Mark Condes. Yeah, he's he's not he's not as good as Moa. Yeah, but if he has a good year. Um. So, I'm just looking at the list of top goal scorers. Go on. Um. Yeah, but they're pretty much all at their clubs last season. Yeah. So you're saying uh, it could be it could be a correct statement? Yeah, it could be a correct statement. Let's do it. All right, okay. Um, it's only October, but Carlin Grant will be the club's top scorer this season. I think he will. Between him and Callum, you think? Yeah, probably, but I think it'll be Callum. Okay. It's only October, but Darnell Furlong will assist seven more goals with long throws this season. Oh, just with long throws? Just with long throws. Seven. No, I don't think he will. He'll definitely get seven assists. Fewer than seven. With long throws, yeah. Okay. You, I, I think teams have kind of caught on to them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I do, I do. I'll, I'll give you that. It's only October, but Valerian Ishmael will get Albion promoted. I think he will. In agreement there. Um, it's only October, but there will be no trip to Wembley at the end of the season. So we're saying that having going to finish top two. Yeah. Yeah, I think they will. 
don't worry about booking a Wembley hotel, gents and uh, ladies and gents. Um, this is an interesting one. It's only October, but we've seen the last of Kenneth Zahor in an Albion shirt in the Championship. Yeah, I think we have. Oof. Only October. <laughs> uh, and last one, it's only October, but Albion will still make a big signing this season. Yeah, I think they will. Striker? Yeah. I think they're going to have to, to be honest. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to have to. I think there's been... Like we've said a million times before, we think Ishmael wants Daryl DK. Whether they, I don't know if he's going to be affordable. I mean, some of the numbers that are being bounded about by him, for him, are just incredible. So, but I think, I think there's, I think there's, I think Albion will have to do something in January. If they, if Albion are in the top four in January, which I'd be amazed if they're not, mm. then I think they will have to not roll the dice, but I think they'll have to. Double down. Just give, just give, give him a bit more, just to help him get over the line. Um, and to me, that would be a central striker. Did you see DK's goal the other day? I didn't know. Big goal. Better commentary though. Oh, there's something about MLS commentary. They they love it. <laughs> I love that. I love a look. Yeah. He, looks, he seems a real player, doesn't he? He he does, and he knows where the back of the net is as well. And he just physically just a nightmare to stop. I think. Yeah. I mean, I've. I He's I'm made not, for us. He really is. I'm not going to say that I sit there and watch MLS football. I see the highlights, and highlights obviously always show him in the best possible light. Um, but I might try and 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 watch, you know, some football with him in not, that isn't just on a YouTube compilation because I'd be really keen to see what kind of player he actually is. I've got the video, so I'll watch it in a minute. Oh yeah, you do that. You do that. It'll make great po- post podcast watching. Um, Right, just about does this see that that segment wasn't too bad. It's good. I like your segments really. I just give you a hard time. You always give me a hard time. You always give me a hard time. Yeah. Right, you got anything else to add to this episode? Just that I said I would do our friends at the High Press podcast a favour. I went on their podcast because um, you because I can't ever track you down and you're never about to do our actual podcast. Whoa! I went rogue and did one with the High Press podcast. So it's not talking about Albion. It's more talking about like me really and our my career and if you're interested in like getting into sports journalism um then i said i would give it a plug for them so if you want to listen to it um high press podcast you've done it before i've already uh, listened to your episode you've already listened i think i was very complimentary about you mm. uh mm, as complimentary mm. as i get about you yeah um at the high press pod is what it's called um and i am absolutely delighted to tell you that i am in their top five ever listens oh really I am I'm number five I'm assuming I'm number one Kyle Edwards is number one him uh, he's only a professional footballer but I'm I sneak in at five higher than Rakeem Harper oof Rakeem won't be happy about that I know yeah you better hope he's not listening mate um won't surprise you that I am miles ahead of you and Joe Chapman from the Burnley Mail I'm a more nuanced taste, I think. Which I'm very, very pleased about, I've got to be honest. I mean, you are selflessly selling it everywhere. <laughs> no, I'm not. I never once mentioned I was on it. <laughs> well, I haven't mentioned it until now. You're just mentioning it to a... Don't talk a, to me about self, about selling myself when you're on every clickbait website going. Oh, that is unbelievable. That's probably what Albion reporter Luke Hatfield says. 
What do I oh. say this time? Uh, I don't know. Albion can score goals. <laughs> uh, okay, Joe, very well. Um, and they are nice guys at the high press. They are very nice guys. Uh, so I would implore people to listen to them because it's always it's, it's an enjoyable listen. Um, but of course, after this podcast, put this podcast first in your priority list. and then. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because we are come, but not enough for them to overtake us in the, in the podcast <laughs> rankings. So um, they are really good lads. They're, they're lovely, they're lovely. Right, um, that does us for this episode. Um, you know, following on from that, if you if you do have chance to rate or review this uh, on your preferred podcasting provider, then please do so uh, and do so kindly. It helps us out massively. Uh, and feel free to share this with another Albion fan who might not listen to it. Um, but from me and from Joe, a fun farewell for now. Goodbye.